Welcome back to Your Political Playlist. I'm your host, Emily Tish sussman Millions of women have left the workforce due to the pandemic, resulting in billions in lost wages and economic activity. This week, I'm sitting down with Jenny Galuzzo, who's committed her work to reinventing the workforce and putting women at the center of it all. As the founder of The Second Shift, Jenny has created a way to connect businesses to women who are experts in their field. With a mission to shift the way companies look from the inside by connecting them with exceptional women from the outside, Jenny has generated a web of economic activity for women across the country. Today, we're exploring what that means for women and if there's a policy avenue to back it up. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, thanks for having me. Jenny Glitz, it's so great to have you on. I'm really excited to have this conversation and focus on private sector solutions. I mean, this is my topic of favorite topic to have. So let's go. I love it. I love it. So, you know, usually on this podcast, we're talking with women who are either lawmakers themselves or or um, trying to influence laws from the outside. But you're actually saying, forget about it. Let's do some private sector solutions. And you created the second shift. So can you tell us about it? Well, the second shift is a talent marketplace that connects a vetted network of high-level professional women with companies that want to hire them for all different types of opportunities, whether it's flexible, full-time, part-time, parental leave, fill-in. It's, it's, a, it's a hybrid model that works for both sides of the equation, and it's all about women's empowerment. And we have been doing this since 2015 when we launched this product as a solution to keep women in the talent pipeline so women can continue their careers at different points in time when they need more flexibility, when they need to, when they're in between full-time jobs for whatever reason, whether it's child care or elder care, depending on the age um, and circumstances, and or just the way that they choose to work, which now we've all become more accustomed to, but was a little bit different in 2015. So we're taking this from the private sector and saying, you need to attract and retain critical female talent. This is a solution and easy way for you to do it. However, I don't want to put aside the political and policy part of it because without the government assistance and their federal recognition that this is an infrastructure issue, that care especially is an infrastructure issue, you can't rely on the private sector to really do that on scale because it's going right. to work and it will increase the socioeconomic divide and inequity ultimately if it's only done on the private sector. So that question of whether care is part of infrastructure or is not part of infrastructure is like the big hot debate yeah. on a federal level right now because President Biden pr- proposed it as part of his large infrastructure package. Republicans are pushing back and saying they want to take it out of the package. They don't consider it part of infrastructure. Yes, care is important, but not part of infrastructure. Is that the only piece of policy that, that would, would actually impact the kind of job market that you're talking about creating with Second Shift? Well, in terms of the job market that we're creating, that is, we're very highly specialized because we realize you can't be everything to everyone. So what we're trying to do is take women who are in their mid-career and in in positions where they should be rising into leadership and decision-making roles and well-paying jobs and careers and keeping those women engaged in the workforce. But 
on terms of scale, this is an enormous problem. I mean, 4.2 million women dropped out of the workforce between February and April of last year. And I don't know if you saw what Jan Yellen said today, but you know, I think like oh, nearly 2 million of them haven't yet returned. The reason why women can't return is because we don't have adequate universal pre-K, child care, elder care, and those things. We see it within our own membership where we have women who would like to go back to work, but they can't take jobs. Because if you don't know if you're gonna be able to have your kid home from school the next day, or if your parent is going to be home in your house and who's gonna take care of them and the balance of all of those things, you can't plan ahead for your job. So I'm hopeful for September when, when we think schools will be back and companies will be back. But in the meantime, I don't see a solution without the pillars of universal pre-K, child and elder care, um, the uh, even zero to three, like really early childhood elder, early childhood care. These are the things that are the building blocks and the fundamentals for women to be able to, and parents in general, because I think it's really been seen, we've seen the, the fault lines that happen at home. Um, and there's lots of, you know, two parent households that are same sex parents, but these are the things right. that are going to keep women in the workforce and allow them to come back on scale. Right. Like we're certainly seeing it in large numbers. Like it's undeniable when we see the amount of women who have left the workforce and who are struggling to come back. So, I mean, do you think that I'm, I'm interested by the timeline here? Cause when you started, I mean, you're really talking about like, you're really talking about like my friends, right? Like I know exactly. Yeah. I know who your client is like hard charging professional women who are, climbing the leadership with wherever, whatever industry they were in, had kids a little bit later, which is mostly my peer group, honestly, because we were so hard charging professionally. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're at about to like really hit the top of the field and then had kids and felt like this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I don't know how to handle it. And if I drop out of the workforce, I won't be able to enter at the same level again. We're struggling with that pre-pandemic. And I had my first kid in 2016. So exactly the time that you started, that you started second shift. So this timeline is quite relevant to me. Yeah. Um, really, I really get what you're going for. Here. You got it on the nose. I really got it. But, um, but it's, it's just magnified this last year with the pandemic. And really every professional woman that I know that felt like they could take a step back from their career did because of the childcare issue. And that question of, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stay at the same level does, isn't there so much anymore because they feel so overwhelmed by the lack of childcare. And now as we're starting to think about, you know, going back to school in the fall, like maybe there's going to be regular care again, thinking about going back at maybe a lower level or what does their career even look like anymore? So what has the response been to second shift? Like how have you engaged? Are you seeing like a, a huge amount of people engaging pandemic now? Like how, how is the engagement with your, I guess we'll call them client based audience yeah. um, changed? It, it was really interesting. So we track year over year. And so last March was the number one month in February and March of last year were the number one month for women signing up for the second shift. And then as the jobs, they, you know, they it was, people weren't hiring as much, but even when jobs would come in, people were not engaging. They couldn't take work because they felt too uncertain about what was going on. And it was too, going the school year. They didn't know what was going to happen. And then even into August, September, the lowest levels of engagement we've seen ever. 
And so what we did was we started doubling down on things that we could do that were additive because we knew that both there were no jobs and that people weren't going to be taking them even if they were because they didn't feel comfortable and confident doing that. So we started career coaching and doing a whole thing on mental health and well-being because um, people were really stressed out and burnt out as we got into the winter months. And I think there's a much more uh, enthusiasm going into the summer. It feels like people are signing up more. People are looking for jobs. People are betting on, on September, both from the employer and from the women that we're working with. And in terms of the timeline, just to go back to that, I think what's interesting is when we first started, we would go and have to sell businesses on the idea of why gender diversity was important. You know, that was not really in 2014, 15, as such a hot topic of conversation. And then, you know, the idea that flexibility as a tool to retain that talent was, you know, a, a second, that, that was a hard sell. So one of yeah. the reasons we work with this really high caliber women talent group is because we want to present businesses with the best possible talents that they can shift their perspective on hiring to accommodate for these people. Um, and then 2016 hit and the entire dialogue changed because it became all about women after okay. the election. And so there was so much data about the lack of women in leadership and on boards and, and it became more of a, like a revolution. And so we were poised in that place where we were already in this role to take up the mantle. And now it's this really interesting moment because, okay, we've already convinced you to hire women. Now we've all seen this complete fracture and what happens to working women. So we can't pretend anymore that it's not real. And we've seen that businesses have adapted to remote and hybrid work and flexible schedules. And it's not just women, it's men who want it to. And employers, 83% of employers are saying that it was equally productive, even if they don't go back to uh, a fully in-person workforce. So all of these things, I think, and and then the government coming in and saying, okay, we, we recognize this problem and we're going to help. So I maybe am relentlessly optimistic as a person, but I see this as a lot of uh, like, you know, a tsunami of good things that are coming our way. And I think we deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we need it. We deserve it. We need it. We deserve it. I love that. I'm actually really interested in these conversations you're having on the employer side because it's not just the talent that you're bringing in to convince them. I, feel, I agree that's been convinced that women who have been maybe forced out of the traditional workforce bring a bevy of talent that, that the employers want. But it's the structure of the work that I'm really interested in. Like, what are they offering? Because, I mean, is it just flexibility, like the same amount of work, but in a flexible model? I mean, I've seen some, some case studies um, from Second Shift where a woman was able to take on like an eight-week project. Like, are they looking at, at hiring project-based because of that? What are the conversations you're having? It's interesting because we worked so heavily pre-COVID with a lot of major institutions. Like we worked with the you know large-scale banks and private equity and then the giant tech companies. And those businesses in this moment are really in the process of transformation, trying to figure out what is it going to look like, how much of their workforce needs to stay in person, how much needs to be out, where are they working from, what does that model look like? So they're really not in a mode of hiring full-time and trying to figure out how to 
transform what they already have and fill in the holes. And for those businesses, we do a lot of parental leave fill-ins, um, which is like an eight-week project or a 12-week project that you're coming in. It's great. It's a huge win for everybody. A lot of times the women who are going on leave are then asked to find their replacement. So they come to us to find their replacement. Everybody, it's a really nice ecosystem solution. Um, people who are in between full-time jobs and come back and hire other women through us since they've been in our membership. Um, and so those are, those are the wins. But what we're seeing is a tremendous amount of entrepreneurship. Startups, women founding startups, a lot of diverse women start founding companies. There's a lot of money behind that. There's a lot of money in like the sort of SPAC growth. So we're, we're now shifting into this world where those businesses don't necessarily want to hire full-time employees all the time. They, they see the benefit of hiring consultants, bringing in people, maybe a, a skill set that they couldn't afford, but working through a second shift model, you can hire that person part-time or fractionally so that they, you're, you're getting much more bang for your buck. And that's how we've grown over the years. We've remained very small, very, with very little overhead because we just tap into our the women in our own network when we need something. And we have this stable of experts who come and work with us, but we don't have to have the overhead of a full-time employee. That's so interesting as like a model of growth and of management, like to yeah. think about being able to onboard the skill that you need when you need it, but not taking on like the long-term commitment of a full-time employee. I mean, in some ways- It wins for everybody. Yeah. That's a lot what the women want to, that we're working with. They're not necessarily sold on the idea of going back full-time, full-time. Maybe they would for the right role, but a lot of people, especially now, aren't necessarily looking to be a full-time employee of and, and sell themselves to a company. Well, I mean, I think, honestly, everyone's trying to figure that out right now. Yeah. Is that the things that we assumed were not possible, some have been terrible, but some have been possible. I mean, when we yeah. talked with Marsha Sinjani, the, the Marshall Plan for Moms, one thing that she said that really stuck with me was the hard-charging life that we were living before and only seeing our kids for maybe half an hour a day is not sustainable. And what we've gone to now with having our kids on top of us all the time, also not sustainable, but we're not willing to go back to what we had before. Like we, we need to have some kind of something in the middle. And I don't know that the work-based, like the, the employer model, like the work model that we have right now is really built for it. So it feels like employers- Oh, it's definitely not built for it. Yeah, like how are you figure out how companies. to build it. It's like trying to fly an airplane and build it at the same time, right? So they're trying to figure out how to do it. And some companies that we talk to, because I sit on these calls about transformation and the talent economy and future of work all day long. So I know how a lot of businesses are doing it. And everyone is very specific to the industry that you're in. And it's very specific to location. And it's, you know, figuring out what are your workers want and being really vulnerable and open about the idea that this is going to be a work in progress because nobody really can anticipate what it's going to be like. You can solve for a solution today that doesn't really solve anything six months from now. Right. Yeah. I mean, this feel, this feels incredibly relevant to me. I have to be honest, not just because it's like, you know, me and everyone I know, but literally in my own work that I felt like I was able to get ahead at a young age by working around the clock and just always working and being available. And I really prided myself in that and created the job that I was in, uh, 
to, to match my skill set and the ability to do that. And then I had two kids, one after the other, really quickly, and it became totally unsustainable. And I couldn't even survive in the job that I had created. So I can only imagine how challenging that is if the demands that you're and the timeline within an, or a company that you're trying to match is not something that you created, which is pretty much every other job on the face of the planet. So, I mean, do you, what do you think the timeline is? for companies really getting to this to be like second shift to be a model that we can scale? Like, is it that we're going to be forced back in September because kids are going back to school? I guess it's not forced, but kid, you know, likely kids will be back at school in September and companies are going to say, great, I'm going to start hiring quickly because there's all this talent out there. Or do you think it's going to be a longer term shift? Well, if you talk to the tech companies, um, they're betting the talent wins and that there's enough money in the tech world and in the new in those kinds of businesses that where they're going to give people the opportunity to live and work where they want and so they're betting that the talent will win and that people in this moment will be willing to give up the big figure salary and the big city job and that hard charging life because they don't want that anymore or they've moved away from it and they're not coming back that would be the bet that they're taking. And then there's other businesses like, you know, if you talk about law firms, financial services firms, you know, some of the real estate firms, they're not necessarily willing to accommodate and they may lose talent. And that's what's going to happen if they are not. But maybe that's just what their culture is. And that's not really where they see their future. And there are always going to be people who want that kind of life and are willing to do the hard charging life, especially the younger people where office space time is important. And that's the job they want. That's the job and the life they want to have. So, but these are all, like I said, like white, you know, sort of white collar jobs, office jobs on a, on a larger conversation about this nationally. This doesn't really relate to a lot of the women who, most of the women whose jobs were lost, who worked in hospitality or in retail, and and those jobs haven't come back yet. But I I think that those jobs will, and those will probably be less likely to be uh, on these like hybrid and remote job. Right. I mean, even as childcare workers and owners, like owners of childcare businesses are primarily women, primarily women of color. And so many of them had to shut down, even though it seems like, you know, everyone needed childcare, but they still, they couldn't sustain because they didn't have like enough cash on hand to go. So hopefully those do really come back as, I I actually see that as a real opportunity for entrepreneurship um, for women and particularly women of color in the next six months to three years. Um, So hopefully some of these firms that you're working with will be able to provide capital or (laughs) that's a great opportunity. I love the I love the entrepreneurship idea. I love providing access to capital for women of color and for women to start their own businesses because we've seen that instead of it being at the whim of other people, it's probably best to take your own take control of your own career um, in one way or another, whether it's through a second shift and taking um, jobs as you need them in your own life or starting your own business. It's the idea of your own empowerment and owning your own career trajectory versus having it be uh, dependent on somebody else to decide how you want to do that. And there's privilege inherent in that, but there shouldn't be, and there should be access to all sorts of funds and capital and government assistance to be able to do that in this moment. And I, I think that that's a really interesting time. We've been working together 
um, on, you know, the Care Economy Council or Time's Up. There's, you know, there's so many in great organizations that are out working on government policy and working with the Biden administration to do that. So I feel really excited. And the majority of people, whether or not it's Republican or Democrat, the majority of people, men and women, see care as a fundamental thing that was missing in COVID. And no matter who you are, your dad, your mom, your same-sex couple, you saw the cracks in your own family and how this was impossible. And so you can't deny that. And I don't think it's really a partisan issue. I mean, I understand the funding of it is, but the need for it isn't. <laughs> no, I agree. I think I, I, I think there is alignment on the problem. I totally agree with you about that. So how and, did people... And one of the things we were talking about, I think one of the calls we were on, I think we were on it together, was talking about how to solve the problem by empowering women to start their own businesses in the mm-hmm. care economy. And I think that's just a great idea. And a lot of it's, you know, paperwork and systematizing things and making things less bureaucratic and easier for women to be able to start their own businesses and get funding. You know, you pull one string and everything unravels. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, it feel, but, but it feels like a huge exciting. opportunity. It is yeah, exciting. It really feels like exciting. huge opportunity there. So how can people find more from you, find more from Second Shift? If they're excited by this sure. conversation, they want to tap in. Okay, we are www.thesecondshift.com, second spelled out. And um, we are a really easy tool for businesses to attract and retain the female diverse talent and for uh, women who are looking for different career opportunities to come and find us. And we are free service as long as you get through our vetting process, which is fairly rigorous right now, but um, we'll be opening it up in later months to a wider audience. Great. Thank you so much, Jenny Kaluza, founder of The Second Shift. It's been a great conversation. Great to talk with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Political Playlist. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Your Political Playlist, where you can see video of my interview with Jenny and join us live to ask questions during future ones. For more from Jenny, you can follow her on Instagram at Jenny Galuzzo, and you can follow The Second Shift at The Second Shift on all platforms. Join us every week for smart but bite-sized conversations with women at the seat of power and activism. Subscribe, and if you like us, leave us a rating and comment to let others know. Talk to you next time.